Thanks, Tegan. It's so good to be able to hear about uh, the path of the journey that God takes us on in different ways and, and how He uses different circumstances in our lives to draw us into that place of knowing His love, knowing His forgiveness and His grace in our lives. We're going to let the kids um, head off to uh, their class right now. Before you go, let's just have a quick word of prayer for you and for us. Um, as we move into this next stage. Father, we just thank you for uh, the way that you have been working in Tegan's life. I thank you for the way that you have revealed um, yourself and your grace to him and drawn him into a place of knowing you. Father, today, as we encounter your word in our lives and, and in the teaching that happens today, Father, we just pray that that we would all be open for our kids as they hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Would this be just another piece of, of the seed that is being planted in their lives and the, the working of the soil of their hearts that uh, prepare them um, to, to know you and to trust you more and more throughout their lives. Father, our prayer is for these kids that they would grow into men and women passionate in their love for you, dedicated in their service for you, and uh, inspiring in the example that they give and what it means to be a follower of yours. So we pray for them. We pray for uh, Denise and the rest of the team that uh, is going to be teaching today that they would lead these young people into a relationship with you. Thank you in Jesus' name. All right, kids, you can go grab a chair and head on over to the fire hall next door. For those of us that are staying here, we are going to uh, be continuing our series in the pastoral epistles. So if you want to turn to 1 Timothy, Steve got us started last week in 1 Timothy, um, looking at this important letter, uh, Paul's to his... Um, but he, who he calls uh, my true child in the faith. And uh, to, to this young apprentice, Timothy, as he is uh, working there uh, in Ephesus and uh, seeking to help establish the church there in that city and in that region. Um, we are going to uh, be reading from uh, looking at the first eight verses of chapter two in First Timothy, um, and uh, let's just read this passage together, and uh, and then we'll look a little bit more closely at what God wants to say to us here. First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man 
Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and apostle. I am telling the truth, and I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. I desire then that in every place that men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. One of the things that, that we notice right off the bat here, whenever he says something like therefore, or as we have here in this, first of all, we need to go back a little bit to try and understand what's the context, what is first of all. And, and as I look at this, I think really what he is saying, he's pointing back to what he wrote in verse 18, where this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage good warfare. First of all, so in our ability to be able to wage good warfare, now we all know this isn't speaking about the actual physical conflict, this is spiritual warfare. The battle that, that, that we are all in, entangled in, in, in the, the, the struggle between our sinful nature and the true purpose for which God has created each and every one of us. The battle that we face against the evil one who is, uh, who is moving in our hearts and trying to draw us more and more into seeking our own way, to turning our back on what God wants, who is seeking to destroy our world, to take as many people with him into that place of of punishment and destruction that God has, has ordained for him from the beginning. This is the, the warfare that we are waging. And when we are engaged in that war, first of all, the most important priority, the thing that we need to keep in the forefront of our minds at all times, the activity that we need to be engaged in, in, in order to be able to, to successfully carry out that warfare. It's prayer. Above all other things, the, the most important thing that Paul was concerned about for, for Timothy as he was there in that, in that city of Ephesus, as he was working to, to try and raise up leaders in the church to be able to establish the church uh, not only as a, as, a, as a place, a community of hope, where those people would encourage and challenge and, 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 and build up one another, but also as a means of reaching out into that community, into that city, with all of its idol worship, with all of its sin and promiscuity. That the first thing, the most important thing for Timothy to be engaged in is He emphasizes the, the, the importance, the, the priority of prayer in all of this by, by repeating it three ways. He, he says the same thing in three different words. I urge that supplications, 
prayers and intercessions. There are some some nuances in the the Greek. Um, there there are some nuances in those words, but but basically they are all talking about uh, making requests. Um, the the first one, supplications, can be requests to God. It can also sometimes is used to to talk with uh, with other people to make requests of other people of leaders and things like that. But but it's coming to somebody who is who is in authority over you and, and, and making requests. The second one, prayers, are, are, are strictly uh, a spiritual activity and engaging God or, for the rest of the Roman world, the gods, uh, making prayers, talking, and, 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 and seeking out the, the help of uh, gods in, in our place. And then uh, the last one, intercession. And to be coming together uh, for a petition. It actually comes from uh, out of the verb to, to call a meeting. Uh, so it is, it is a gathering together of individuals to be able to, to make requests in the presence of the king. Whenever there is the use, whenever you're trying to emphasize something, the repetition of it, to be able to say the same thing using some different language is there to be able to, to, to solidify the importance of that particular word, that particular activity. And that's why Paul is, is repeating these here when he says, first of all, I urge that supplication, prayers, and intercessions be made for all people. He doesn't want us to, to miss the fact that it's important for us to be praying on behalf of others. To be seeking out the hand of God into the lives of other people. He also includes thanksgivings. Being thankful for people that we like is pretty easy. But then you look at who he is saying that we need to be praying for. All people, but also kings and those are in, who are in high positions. And, and once again, we're reminded of who is the king at this time when Paul is writing. Not a king that is somebody that, that, that we admired was the Emperor Nero. Not only a man who, had, who, who was full of sinful, self-centered activities, but he was also actively persecuting the church. Actively trying to come against the growth and the, the, the development of this new movement that was happening throughout the Roman Empire. Coming against it, sometimes with with policies, but also in many times physically putting people at risk, harming even to the point of death. Although likely at this point there wasn't a lot of the circuses and all those kind of things that that came later on. But uh, but even at this point, Nero the king um, had it out for Christians. 
Paul is calling us to intercede on the king's behalf, but also to give thanksgiving for the king. It's not easy to do. It's not always easy to do when you are in a place where, where those who are in authority over you are making policies and decisions and actions that go against the things that you stand for. That, that fly in the face of your freedoms and rights. These are the prayers that are pleasing to God. Verse 3, this is good. It is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. These are the prayers that are welcomed by God, that we intercede on behalf of all people that we especially are praying for kings and those that are in authority and leadership over us. These are the prayers that God will hear, that God is listening to, that God is uh, acting upon. These are the things that are pleasing to God. As you read this passage, you can't help but see that even though Paul is talking, first of all, that, that, that prayers be made, and we can think of all kinds of things that we should be praying for for all people, things that we should be praying for for our leaders. As you continue to read this whole passage, there is an, an undercurrent of prevailing theme that has to do with salvation. Uh, read through this again with me. It says, first of all, I urge you that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful, quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Godly, dignified is all pointing to the way that we are appearing to the watching world. He goes on to say that this is good. It is pleasing and, and it is good and pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. And then he goes on to say, who desires that all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And then goes in to talk about uh, the, the gospel message. For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the appointed time. I can't help but think that in Paul's mind, first of all, the way that we that we wage good warfare is by praying for people's salvation. That the prayers that we are to offer for all people, that the prayers that we are to lift up to God for our King and for those that are in authority and leadership over us, 
that first and foremost, those prayers center around salvation. Truth about God. Even for those that we, that we know who are followers of Christ, to be able to, prayer, to pray for their growing and developing knowledge and experience in the truth of who God is. We see that so often in the prayers that, that Paul himself records here in these letters, that he prays for people. Um, Leslie read one of them for us earlier in Ephesians. I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Time and time again, Paul, when he is praying for people in Thessalonians, uh, there are prayers recorded there. In Galatians, uh, Paul prays for the people. In Colossians, he prays for the church in Colossae. And in all of those situations, in the midst of all of the physical challenges and needs that those Christians have, remember that these are the Christians who, when they became followers of Christ, if they were involved in some kind of a guild that was about their uh, their. Uh, a livelihood, their career. Most often those guilds were centered around some god patron in the pantheon of um, Roman uh, 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 worship. And because these Christians could no longer worship those particular gods of the pantheon, they were often kicked out of their guilds so they were no longer able to work on the career, the thing that they had, uh, that they were, uh, had been uh, Engaged in for a livelihood. Many of them were, were also ex expelled or kicked out of their families because they were unable to participate in the, the regular family worship of the household gods that were there. So many of these people were losing their livelihoods, losing their their connection with, with family, their community, all these kinds of things. There were so many needs that Paul could be praying for. What did he pray about? They would know God. They would have an experience of the truth of God in their own lives. So often in our prayers, we get caught up in the physical needs that people have. And certainly, God wants to intervene in those physical needs and the, 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 the financial struggles that people are facing and the, in the uh, uh, health concerns that they have and all of those kinds of struggles that people face. But primarily, we need to be praying for people's experience of God. Whether they are believers or not, that they would know God in an increasingly intimate way.
So what can we learn from this passage about how we pray? How we pray for the salvation of all people. How we pray for the king and those that are in authority over us. That they would know the truth of God in their lives. I think the first thing that we can learn from this passage is that we can pray these prayers with confidence. Because God is listening. These are the prayers, remember verse 3, that these are the prayers that are pleasing to God. So when you are praying for somebody who needs to know the truth of God, who needs to discover His grace and His forgiveness in their own lives, you can know that God is listening. And that God is going to be acting through the prayers that you are praying. Verse 4. Who desires all people to be saved, to come to the knowledge of truth. When we are praying for people's salvation, we are praying in line, in accordance with the will of God. That is his desire, is that all people would be saved. And so when we are praying those prayers, you can have confidence that you are praying in concert with the will of God. We don't have to add the little extra phrase, if it pleases you or if it is your will. You can know that that's what God wants, and so when you are praying those prayers, uh, you are in line with what He has to say. Something else that we should, uh, that, that should help guide our prayers for people's salvation, that we should be praying for a combination of people's heart as well as their head. Uh, that they would, uh, that their hearts would be changed, that they would experience the love of God, but also that they would know the truth. We see that again in verse 4, that God desires that all people be saved, a heart transformation, and come to the knowledge of the truth, a head transformation. When we are praying for, for people who our heart's desire is that they would come to faith, we need to be praying for them to have an encounter with God that would change their heart. We also need to be praying that they would have a mind that would be unveiled, that the, the darkness of the world would be pulled back so that they can see the truth, they can understand the truth. That the lies that are swirling around in this world that Satan bombards us with all the time about how God doesn't love us, how God is not good, that all of that would, would be pierced by the, the truth of God's infinite love, of His perfect goodness in our lives, that everything that He does is right and good.
We see that in, in, in Paul's life. Paul was a man who had tons of knowledge of God. He had grown up studying the scriptures. He knew all of the traditions of the Pharisees. He was an elite among the elite. And yet, none of that made a difference until he encountered, he had a personal, intimate encounter with the risen Jesus. And in that moment, his heart was changed. Uh, we see that in Job's life as well. Uh, Job had a lot of sound arguments about how God was, uh, about how he had lived his life, about how God was being, uh, how God um, was was not there to, to punish those who, uh, who who didn't deserve it, that God was good in his, in his assessments. He was able to defend himself against the, the ethical challenges that his friends were throwing at him. But it was when God came and spoke with him that suddenly all of Job's preconceived ideas of how God was at work within this world were transformed. And for him, he said, Before my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And for Job, that was enough. It was that, that transformation from, uh, from just a head knowledge to a heart transformation that made the difference for him. And then, uh, so, uh, so the things that, that, that should focus our prayers, we should pray with confidence. We should pray for a combination of head and heart transformation. But we should also be prepared I should pray that we should be prepared to be the agent through which God will encounter the people through which you are praying for. I think that's one of the, the most powerful parts of prayer. It's not so much that our prayers change the mind of God, although certainly there are scriptures that would point to that kind of interaction that happens. But more what I have found in my own life is what I come to pray, it is me that is changed in that interaction. And so when we come to pray for those, we need to pray that, that, that my eyes would be opened, that I would lead a, a peaceful, quiet, and godly, dignified life that, that wouldn't get in the way of people seeing the risen Christ. That, that I would be uh, prepared to be an apostle to, to give testimony in the appropriate time. That I would be there to, to take the risk to, to, uh, to share with people of the truth of God, to, to put my reputation on the line, to be able to, to tell people about how God has made a difference in my life. When I pray, my, my focus needs, shifts from my needs to rather to the Almighty God of what He is trying to do, what His priorities are, how I can align myself with what He is doing. 
It is the good warfare that we are waging. And prayer is standing on the standing on the front lines of that good warfare of, of, of piercing the darkness with the light of Jesus Christ. So who are the people that God is calling you to pray for? Who are the ones that, that God has laid on your heart that you are convinced that, that, that God is, is working in them and, and drawing them to a place of, of where they need to find salvation, where they will be open to the good news of Jesus Christ. How can you pray with confidence? What ways can you be praying that, that they would have a, a head knowledge but also a heart encounter with God? In what ways can you pray that you would be prepared to be an agent of that salvation, of that message of hope, that message of forgiveness in their lives? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a redeeming God. Throughout the history of humanity, we have seen you time and time again extending grace to us as humanity, reaching down to, to lift us up out of the, 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 the pit that we have done for ourselves. When I pray that, that we as a people would become more and more a people of prayer. That we would that we would allow you to to have authority over our calendars, our schedule for each and every day, that we would be willing to, to, to put aside dedicated time in our day for prayer. And that we would listen to your Spirit's leading and guiding uh, to, to pray for those people that you are putting on our hearts. Father, that, uh, that we as, as a community would find more and more opportunities to pray together, to pray for one another, to pray for our community, to pray for the friends and family that are in our lives who have yet to discover new life in Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask that your spirit would do that in our hearts. Because we know that that is the only way that we can wage the good warfare bringing the good news of Jesus Christ into a world that needs to know you. Give us confidence. Give us a, a willingness to be prepared by you to be agents of that gospel message in the lives of 
of the people that we know and that we love. We want to see this community, we want to see this world reached for you. We want to see those people that we love rescued from the path of destruction. Help us to be those people of prayer. We would engage, we would participate with you in that. 